0: This is Patriot Sports Radio. Patriot Sports Radio. Fed up with the national talking heads and biases of mainstream sports media. If it's sports, from the high school level to the pros, we're talking about it. Like the red-blooded Americans we are.
1: God bless America. God
0: bless America. God bless America. Let's do this. Here's Eric. John, Chris, and the coach.
2: Welcome back, my friends. If you're new, then welcome in Patriot Sports Radio. My name is Eric. I'm your host. I'm so jacked up on America right now. Happy belated Bobby Bonilla Day. Hope your 4th of July weekend was incredible and free of any short fuses, flammable or otherwise. It's midsummer, usually not much going on in sports, but it wasn't hard to find some items to discuss today. We got crazy things happening in the NBA, more money than you can probably comprehend is changing hands a little too casually, if you ask me. But what do I know? Conference realignment stories are changing all the time. The Orioles have been winning some games. Some asshole lifted Lord Stanley's cup over his head, having never taken a shift in the NHL. That's not cool, if you ask me. But what do I know? Let's see what these people know. You like that segue? Chris is here with me at HQ, just enjoying some freedom. John is out in Colorado, coached down in Oklahoma, then back to Wisconsin, where we find Angela as well. Okay, let's talk about basketball money. John, holy shit. I have three in front of me. Um, Zach Levine, five years, 215. Bradley Beal, five years, 251. Jokic, five years, 264. All super max deals.
3: Yeah, Jokic's is the biggest of all time.
2: That's wild.
3: Yep. Then you also have uh, Devin Booker at 224. Carl Anthony Towns at an inexplicable 224. Uh, John Morant got 193. Some guy named Jalen Brunson, who's actually pretty good, got 104. I don't know why I said some guy. He's actually really good. What I meant was some guy who used to suck for the Bulls named Bobby Portis got 49 million. That's a lot. Uh, Let's see. uh, There was somebody in here. Anthony Simmons. You ever heard of him? He just got 100 million.
2: Must be nice. Coach, we're in the wrong line of work, buddy. The Pelicans and Zion are talking about working on a supermax, uh, similar Supermax deal. We're in the wrong business, Coach. (laughs)
3: <laughs> that one I've got, it's it's tough because he's going to put butts in the seats no matter what.
2: Yeah, when he plays, he's
3: excellent. He's been injured in grade school, high school, uh, summer league, college, NBA. He's not built for this. He's built to uh, burst. I, I just don't, I, I don't understand. He's got a one in, once in a generation body. Uh, it's that second jump that everybody loves to talk about. And so he will probably make that money for them, but it, you just kind of cringe looking at how much money he's given because he he can't play a whole season. And that's really unfortunate because he's probably one of the more dynamic players you're ever going to see play basketball. He looks like that football player that walks into the gym when all the basketball players are playing. He's like, give me a shot. That's, that's how his shot looks. It's lefty. It's It goes in, but it's a little bit ugly, but he's a fun player to watch. I just I don't know how you hand him a, a max contract if he can't finish a season. I, I
4: mean, definitely, you're you're, you're on to something there. I mean, he, not only can he not finish the season, you, you almost got to look at him and go, you're the definition of why we have to have load management. I mean, and that's a whole argument in itself, but they're they're going to have to come up with a plan for him to make sure he's there at the end because he just doesn't seem to have the stamina to, to be able to go uh, the season. And the season is so long. The
3: NBA season is really long. It's a, it's a, it's a it's a marathon. It definitely is. Yeah, those tendons don't respond well to back to backs, which is what NBA players have been griping about. Rightfully so for years and years is back to backs. Yeah. Well, and what would be so wrong with shortening the NBA season? Oh, nothing. I mean, Start January first.
4: Yes. Nobody really tunes in till Christmas anyway. Well, that's what I was going to say. Even if you started it on Christmas or right before, it's just ridiculous. It's just... What are the Pelicans supposed to do,
2: though? I mean, you can't let this guy leave, and you can't sign a superstar like you know Zion for anything less than a Supermax. I mean, they're kind of in a corner here. And you had to know that when you drafted him.
4: Well, that that's what I was going to say is you you hit the nail on the head. The draft on that deal, you know, and, and and I understand that you had to take him, but Jiminy Christmas, man, you, you almost, it's one of those deals where you got shafted because you had to, you're forced into playing that hand. Um, because honestly, d- does anybody here, do you guys ever see him being a, a NBA finals MVP? I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't see that happening.
3: Unfortunately, no. He's a little bit of a white elephant in that you didn't want to be the team that passed on him. I mean, do you remember how thirsty the Knicks were to get the number one pick that year? It, so you couldn't pass on him, but at the same time, it, he comes with uh, a lot of baggage just from his body. And taking the year off, You know, if you saw any of those Taco Bell commercials or whatever commercials he was in, there was a lot of angles and lighting and a lot of magic to make it look like he didn't gained 30 pounds in the offseason. I yeah. <laughs> feel bad for the guy. I feel bad. I don't want to be too judgmental, but it is it is what it is. I mean, you know, John, you know more about this than
4: me, but you kind of got to think that's going to be a yearly thing with him. That's going to be a deal from going forward. You know, he's he's very much, uh, I, I kind of liken him to a little bit of Charles Barkley. Uh, as far as physique wise, I mean, he's, he's obviously has more, more tools and and more talent, but he, th- I feel like that every year we're going to be having the same conversation with him at the beginning of the season is, or at the, in the off season is how much weight is this guy going to gain? Is he going to show up in shape? I mean, that's, that's something that I, I feel like that they should have really thought about in the draft. And again, it's. I don't blame the Pelicans. I mean, they had to do what they had to do. This guy's a generational talent. I don't mean to minimize how good a player this guy is. It's just one of those things that you look at him and he create. He brings with him a truckload of circumstances that some other players won't bring. and 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 it's tough. It's tough for an organization.
3: The other big news is KD. <laughs> what do you say about this that hasn't already been said? It's just annoying. He's being a brat.
2: I'll tell you one thing that was said that I haven't heard before. Uh, people are saying that this would be the biggest trade since Edmonton traded Wayne Gretzky to the Kings. Angela, you like the hockey. <laughs> how how big of a trade? I mean, in relation to this one, which would be a big trade in the NBA. I mean, the, the Gretzky trade shifted the balance of power in the NHL. Did it not? I figure,
1: I to me, the... The faster they get this out of the way and done with and figured out and moving on, the better they are. Figured Um, out. He is being a total brat. Um, That's like, you know, cancerous for the team. And it's unfortunate. I think, you know, the people around him probably expected more out of him, his team members. You know, they have aspirations of everybody working together. It's something that's not happening anymore. Everybody jumps from team to team. They're so readily available to jump towards the paycheck. And, um, but... You know, if you can build build something together, right? Legacies and championships and all these things, that's all out the door.
3: Here's what I'd say to that, though. If you're the best player in the NBA, arguably, you don't ring chase. You let right. people come to you if they want to help you win a championship. But we live in this generation of players that played AAU. Uh, now in college, they're switching around more than ever. And it's a different dynamic. And people chase rings, as opposed to building a program. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just different. And I I don't like it personally, but I I just don't get how the best player in the NBA is now a ring chaser because he wants to go to the Suns. It's like, (laughs) really? Come on. KD is the epitome of this, this generation
4: superstar. He is the epitome of it. And he is exactly what he was when he left Oklahoma City. And I can tell you, people here hate his guts with a passion and they hate him with a passion because you know we had the foundation here that that was was uh strive for and he was the cornerstone of that foundation and he hit the eject button so fast to go chase a ring and ultimately he got it and good for him you know if that's what he wanted but but I will go on a limb right now and say that every time that Kevin Durant has an opportunity to opt out of a contract. He's going to do that. And he's going to do that for the best opportunity available because that is at his core who he is. That it is at his foundation. He is the NBA's Kardashian. He wants to be on the latest and greatest in the front of every uh, sports page or sports book or whatever is going on. He wants to be the topic. And we even talked about this in our deal. Whenever there's a lull in the conversation in the NBA or whenever somebody starts talking about something else, he'll almost intentionally go out and create something to happen to put himself in the headlines. Be it a a tweet that he uh, anonymous tweet that wasn't anonymous or he'll say something or make a comment. I mean this this guy is an attention-starved guy and 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 he has some issues with that. That, that have been exposed in the past quite frequently, but it shouldn't surprise anybody that he wants to opt out and go somewhere else because that, like I said, that at his core, that's who he is. That is a very, he's a, he is a superstar that is a very insecure person.
1: Do you think that's a massive distraction? Like then if that's the way it is, then let him go, pay him off, get him out, get a huge chunk of money and then try to rebuild
4: you you hit the nail on the head and it is a huge distraction but the problem is he he is so talented he is a i mean we're not talking about a a a Zion that brings a bucket load of things with him Kevin Durant is a player a once in a lifetime player that can change the game and so because he is so talented he is his diva is his divaness is tolerated and so he he can go and do do he can go and take that anywhere and people want that because they know that at any point in time he can take over a game. Unlike Zion, he is built to go the distance. He, they know he's built it. He's proven that time and time again, and and he can take over a team and make them into, you know, he, he there's only a few players in the NBA that are, you plug them into any roster and they become instant, uh, com, in, instant competitors. And, and he's, he's that guy. Uh, it's just sad that he has a aspect to him that he brings with that 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 really I believe tarnishes his greatness, and 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 it, it was upsetting when he left Oklahoma City to see that exposed, and it's only the farther and the longer that event that have gone on, the more we've seen about that. I even saw an article this week that said, you know, they were entertaining him coming back to Oklahoma City, which is not even that's not going to happen. It would never happen. But they have um, the picks. It, it is what it is.
3: Yeah. The 30 for 30 headline on this one is what if I told you that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant were on the same team and they only won one playoff series. And then they added James Harden, uh, who helped blow up the locker room. Kyrie Irving uh, for took his stand for for what you want uh, and couldn't play. And so they, they shipped James Harden to the Sixers and get back a more problematic player who's so in his head he can't even play the Nets need to really figure it out in their front office.
2: They were this time last year they were the favorites to win the championship. They're now 22 to 1. That entire core could be gone. I mean, the Phoenix well, Suns became the the favorites immediately just based on the rumor that he wanted to go there. And he doesn't have a no-trade clause, so I don't why I don't know why the perception is he has any control over this. The Nets should well, take because, the best
4: deal be, because absolutely it's a, it's The players run the show now. I mean, that's the way the NBA
3: is. He's managed by Clutch Sports, which has a bit of a control over which players go where. And uh, that can be a little bit problematic. In some ways, they almost work like a union.
2: Well, let me ask you this, John. If Rudy Gobert just went to Minnesota for, I mean, a truckload of picks and players, Pat Bev on his fifth team in five days, (sighs) it seems like. Uh, what do you think the price tag is gonna be for Kevin Durant? Who even has what they would want?
3: It's gonna be people with picks. Um, I mean, you can go. I've heard somebody say you could go to the Suns and say, "Give me Devin Booker," because they could. Um, they're in a good spot here. Uh, you know, they, their history, notwithstanding the Nets' management, you could get a haul of. I mean, they they spent so many picks building all of this up, and maybe they get some picks back. But obviously, you go to Anybody with young talent, uh, I mean, they just locked up John Morant, but you would go after somebody like that and say, Give me John Morant and I'll I'll give you a championship next year because we're not dealing with it anymore.
4: Morant. Morant.
3: They're going to get rid of Kyrie too, and they just signed him. It's just, it's a big circus.
4: Well, and that's at the core, that's what the Nets and the Knicks are a big circus, and they've been that for a long time. There's some of these. Organizations, The Cleveland Browns, for instance, I mean, there's these organizations that are notoriously train wrecks, no matter what they're dealt. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. Is And when he went out there, you had to know that this was going to end up being a circus of some sorts, because they can't seem to figure out what, what it is they're doing or whatever. I mean, and I, I will say I'm not educated, uh, obviously, as as John on, on some of the NBA stuff, but we are blessed here in Oklahoma City to to have one consistency, and that is great management. I mean, Sam Presti and the Thunder seem to do great things, and they are all in on one concept, and that is uh, developing a core that can go the distance for a long period of time, and that's what the overall concept is. And you don't feel like it's that way with every team. Every team is, you know, you have the ring chasers, and you have these teams that are missing one piece or trying to fill a gap with one piece. It just, I don't know. It just seems, seems like everybody would have a similar philosophy, but they don't. They have very different philosophy.
2: And my assumption in this was that, you know, the way it happened, Kyrie opted back in and KD immediately said, well, I want out of here. I thought, oh, you know, there's some kind of rift there, but it, there's no real issue between the two of them. They don't mind playing together. They just don't want to do it with the Nets. I mean that. That organization. But how much have
4: they actually played together? I mean, like honestly, how many how games? many games?
2: 14 how many total minutes? I don't know. It's yeah. very few. Right. I mean, very rarely
4: have they both even been on the floor at the same time, or or on the same. You know, uh, one of them's always injured, or there's something going on there. Uh, it's it's been odd to me that that's never been able to be put together. Because I thought that they would, I thought that that would be a success, or at least better.
2: We're at a real risk of becoming an NBA show if we don't move on to something else. Yeah, let's move uh, on. Let's <laughs> do. You know, I had Deshaun Watson in the rundown because I was absolutely positive he was going to get suspended on Friday, right before the fourth. It seemed like a great way to bury it under some stuff, but uh, Goodell must be slipping. So while I was looking into football, I found some NFL futures. I found some downright disrespectful numbers out there this week. Shout out to the guys at Plus Money Golf. I had a little extra money in the account yesterday. I put a few bucks on Mike Tomlin, coach of the year at 33 to one. I mean, I get Mitch Trubisky sucks, but he's never gotten it. And it's being talked about at this point, like Russell Wilson has never gotten a Pro Bowl vote. It's one of those things, you know, Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. It's becoming a fact of sports that we all know. Mike Tomlin's never won coach of the year. If he gets there, meaning the playoffs with Mitch Trubisky playoffs, I mean, I think he's got to have a shot. At that, I also grabbed Eberflus at forty to one because major media market, the NFC is soft. I think again, if Eberflus takes the lowly Giants to even a wild card, he's got to be in the mix. Coach, you're a coach. What do you think of my, my handicap there? I think
4: uh, that's a huge if on the Giants.
2: I think that you're
4: <laughs> you're you're really reaching there for anything to do with the Giants. Um, I think at best they're running for third in the in in the east there um i do like the tomlin the tomlin deal just seems uh logical i i think i think that they are going to run the ball and they're always going to to have a little bit of a defense so i think that they i think that there's a chance that they they actually might may scrape in uh even you know, even if by the end of the season or middle of the season they're actually running the wildcat, because I don't know that they're actually going to have a quarterback. They may not even roster one. They may just start lining up with multiple backs, and 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 double tie. I don't know what the plan is there in Pittsburgh, but uh, I, I can tell you that the the ones that I've seen on the roster so far really resembles a uh, some sort of wildcat formation.
2: Yeah, maybe. Uh Maybe he's going to revolutionize the game, John. Do you think <laughs> Mitch Trubisky can do what Ryan Tannehill did?
3: Pass. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have time for a rant today. Angela, uh,
2: short do you answer: think no. there's
1: hope
2: <laughs> Angela, do you think there's hope for Mitch Trubisky, or is he what what he is? Um, he was trying he to get you know. to take the <laughs> bait.
1: I say he is what he is, and damn <laughs>
2: right. tell you what, I'm going to be insufferable
4: if Mitch is good. Uh, I'll, I'll take those odds, my man, Uh, whatever you would like to lay down on that. I will, I will definitely take the other side of that.
3: If he starts turning off the TVs in Pittsburgh, it's, it's, it's a sinking ship. That's your red flag right there.
4: I, I just think that that's a, it's a real Pittsburgh thing to do to, to think, uh, to think that they can just plug him in and still win 8 to 10 games and I, and I and the thing is I believe it they probably I, can I think they probably can with Tomlin I think that that can happen I just just seems to me like a low t- trajectory for such a great sports franchise to I mean set the bar of hey we're 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 going to try to scrape in the playoffs and be one and done here with with Trebisky cuz he's not he's clearly not the answer he's not
2: he's just not I've I got another bet here that I bet you wish I'd placed with you rather than the book <laughs> Saquon most rushing yards plus 4,800. And then I saw AJ Dillon 60 to one. I think AJ Dillon is lined up to have an unbelievable season. You got Aaron Jones. Who's another year older. Dylan is entering essentially his physical prime. Adams is gone. Lafleur likes to use two backs. He could look at him and say, this is what I had in Derrick Henry down in Tennessee. Let's give this kid the ball 30 times a week. T- say that again. You had Dylan what?
4: <laughs> <laughs> say that one more time.
2: I Which, didn't hear uh, that correct. A.J. Dillon, most rushing yards, 60 to 1. Most rushing yards in the
4: league? Yep. The entire NFL? Yep. Regular season. Oh, I might match that with you all day long. <laughs> I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know that. I mean, 60 to 1 is, just does not seem like anywhere close number. to enough I, I don't know I mean Vegas must know something else if you're gonna t- if you're talking about LaFleur turning him into the next Derrick Henry I will also take a, any
2: action on that you would like how That's about not this happening. how about AJ Dillon versus Derrick Henry total rushing yards regular season you give me no I don't even want any yards <laughs> Are we are we going units on this because I I
4: feel like you're throwing down the gauntlet to me here and uh, I I mean I I may be walking right into this minefield because it just sounds really too good to be true. Are you are you confident sir that that AJ Dillon is going to have more rushing yards than Derrick Henry? The only way think, that happens is is if Derrick Henry ends up injured, which is possible.
2: I, th- I think the odds of that are high and the odds of AJ Dillon's workload increasing are also high and Adams isn't here. He can catch the ball a little bit.
4: Jones <laughs> I'm not an trying ankle. to talk you off of the ledge here but I I want to I want to just remind you that it was when what what week was it last year when Derrick Henry got hurt? Was it week 8?
2: No, it was like and, 12 or something okay. like that, but he led the league in rushing until the playoffs, I'm pretty sure.
4: Well, that's what I was going to say. This is <laughs> I mean, there was no one even close he had a, even he after had like week 1000 So literally, literally we could, we could lock this up in week about eight or 10 and it'd be over. (laughs) I mean, even, even if he had an injury, so I'm going to let you marinate on that. You might put it on the back burner, turn it on low and see what that smells like in a couple of weeks, because I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to set the hook to you right now on that. (laughs) I I think
2: that you probably need to give
4: that some more thought.
2: I'm all jacked up on America. I'm all excited for football. (laughs) (laughs) I got some more reasonable numbers here. How about this? All right. CD lamb, (laughs) CD lamb, no Amari Cooper anymore. Zeke is old and fat. Most rushing yards plus 1400. I also have a Rob Allen Robinson, 20 to one and Michael Pittman, who is basically Julio Jones. Now that, uh, Matt Ryan is in Indianapolis. I don't think that's, you know, that's hyperbole, right? 48 to one. So I like those. Like all those, those are all what's the Jets odds to win the East? <laughs> Give me the Jets hit... odds to win the East, Bob. <laughs> I don't know what that is.
4: Well, let me tell you, it's not
2: near damn enough. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> what's next? NCAA conference realignment. I don't even know what's going on. I just put NCAA <sighs> conference realignment, and I was going to go to you and ask you what the hell's been going on in the last 24 hours. You're going to me? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> see, I look at you, and nobody knows I'm looking
4: at you. I, I don't. I I can just see you looking into the camera. <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 we, me and John were talking about this. I think the do- Let me tell you what's going on right now is uh, pretty much uh, answer your phone. Who's got the best deal? Let's make a deal. Uh, I think that the the dominoes are going to start falling on this pretty quick. I was really shocked uh, with the USC and, and UCLA. We talked about this on Thursday. It's gonna be interesting to watch the culture shock that is Lincoln Riley and 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 his offensive mind in the Big Ten. That's going to be really interesting to watch unfold. And I do think that the Big Ten is in for uh, a little bit of a learning curve on that. But I also believe that 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 will that, that street will run both ways. So I, I don't know. I would love to see some of these perennial powers, you know, uh, or some of these mainstays come back. I mean, we were talking earlier. Uh, Colorado, for instance, is a good example. They were in the Big Eight before the Big Twelve even even existed, so it's not new territory to them. And 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 I, in my mind, that conversation goes pretty easy with the commissioner that comes in. Hey, listen. This is my. Is, I'm I'm back. I'm new. Uh, why wouldn't you come on back to where you once belong? Come on home, you know. Geographically, it works with the Big Twelve. You know, uh, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State are another easy. It seems like easy sales to me uh, on the Big Big Twelve. And again, I'm. That's me looking through it with a little bit of Big Twelve bias. But if I if I think about it, the SEC also. I mean. I feel like the golden get here is Oregon, but it doesn't make sense for the Big 12 geographically because Oregon is so far up there. I I don't know if the Big 10... I know the Big 10 would love to have them if they're taking USC. Oregon is the the get here. Oregon is the golden goose of the Pac-12, and if the Pac-12 has any chance of staying or riding the ship, they've got to go to Oregon, set the hook in Oregon and Stanford, and go, hey, because... Stanford pre- creates a little bit of an anomaly too. No one wants to go to what is it, Palo Alto, out there? It's not geographically good for any other uh, conference, especially uh, all of those out there on the west. They just want to keep those two and build around those if they have any chance of staying intact. And and it opens the door. We, me and John were talking. It opens the door for these mid majors, these you know, uh, East Central, Tulsa, these kind of schools, but. As as we were pointing out before the show started, that's great for football, but what else do they bring to the table? What's their what's the totality of the resume? Are, are those 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 great basketball schools? No, are some of them you know baseball schools? Sure, but it, it, it's all about dollars and cents and, and what they can make happen. I think that they'll they'll be an effort to try to keep the Pac-12 intact. It's going to be it's going to take a substantial effort because I'm sure the phone's probably ringing off the hook from everybody else. Let's play and let's make a deal.
2: I think another golden goose out there is Notre Dame. I think that the Big Ten would love to bring Notre Dame on and get that TV money up. I think the TV deal for the Big Ten right now is $1.1 billion, and now they've acquired all three major markets. They've got California, and they've got New York, and they've got the Chicago market. And they're wanting to increase their tv deal to three billion if they were to acquire somebody like a notre dame and that would give i mean rutgers everybody would get 150 million dollars just in tv money right off the top here's some walking around cash that is that is insanity angela what do you think this is going to do to the fan experience with all these extra teams that are not real rivals and the knowledge that everybody's getting rich off of this
1: I mean, it leaves a sour taste in your mouth as a fan a little bit. Um, But at the end of the day, honestly, like for me, I want to see exciting football. So I think it'd take a while for people to get used to for sure. Um, You know, definitely. And some people probably won't embrace it at all. Um, But I, you know, I thought about it. I was like, get off my lawn. I'm not interested. I don't care. It's too much already. And. And the more that I thought about it, I'm, you know, I'm like, you know what? This this could be interesting. It could be exciting where you're talking about different coaching styles. You know, it really could be. So I'm not going to say it's a bad idea. I think it's just going to take a while for people to get behind. I, It's just odd and different. And also, too, like, I can't help but to think about, so if this is changing and things and everybody's jumping ship and who's going to go where, like, where does it stop? Where does it end? How does it keep on changing? And And, you know, will it settle down? I don't know. I'm not sure, but I, I'm 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 okay with it now. <laughs> I was not at first, but I think it would be exciting.
2: That's kind of what I'm doing. I'm leaning more and more towards optimism. The more I think about, you know, the USC Michigan games, we're going to get better games on Saturdays. We're going to get better, better match-ups, matchups, but I think it's going to push those, you know, smaller the Wake Forests and stuff. They're just going to be. I don't know where you'll even find them on television, and those are the games I I love an Akron, you know, Ohio game on a Tuesday night. So I really hope it doesn't mess with, you know, the bottom rung so much. What happens to the Rose bowl now? Cause that's so exciting uh, for the big 10 and the big 12 to collide in the Rose bowl. I mean, does that even mean anything? Does it even matter anymore? I think this would kill the mystique of the Rose bowl. Them coming here.
4: Yeah. Well, the only, sim- the only, the only way that that works is if the pac 12 is somehow, able to write the ship and either add something something that somebody wants to see, which I don't even know what that would be at this point. I don't know what team is floating out there that they could add that would closely resemble um what what they what the hit that they took or if they are able to sign a, a deal with another conference, you know, uh perhaps a I mean, I don't know a, a a Big Twelve or something to where they replaced the the Pac Twelve with the Big Twelve or something of that sort. It just the history of it is going to take a hit for sure. I look at it from a little different standpoint here, and and I got a little conspiracy theory on the lawn that this is going to turn into to conferences versus the NCAA. And and why I say that is is because if the super conferences start aligning there becomes less and less need and more and more people going, why, since we've done our own realignment, why do we need these guys? And what cut of or percentage are they taking from these big conferences as far as, like you said, the TV deals and whatnot? Because let's let's face it, the TV deals are what gets everybody paid guaranteed. That on top of the fact of the, the point that you brought with Notre Dame, Notre Dame has had a history and years and years of being uh, trying to get the best deal from everybody without really committing to anybody. Um, And they've done a good job at doing that. I don't know if they would, the only way that I think that that changes with them because they've been able to do it for years and years is if the super conferences actually happen and there's actually, you know, three super conferences and the best of the rest.
1: How long do you think it'll take before that happens? We uh, see that does that being dissolved. I, I, I
4: don't, I don't know. I, th- I think that would cause a big battle. I think that the the NCAA is going to have some pushback. Obviously, they're not going to want to go away. That's not going to. No one's at the NCAA is going to advocate for that. But what I'm saying is, when the SEC and the Big Twelve and the Big Ten specifically get together and decide, hey wait a minute, we've realigned all these teams and now there's us three and then the best of everybody else. Why do we need these guys and and what's the cut of that that we would make if we eliminated them? And I think that that becomes a realistic and more and more possibility as we go forward. And again, that's the grassy knoll theory and I know that I'm out there with that, but I, I fully think, especially with the NIL deal and the way that things are going in college football right now, it is become the it's become the Wild West, and not only has it become that, it, there's less and less need for a sanctioning body like the NCAA because let's be honest, they haven't done a great job at their task. They they're not great at what they do anyway, and, and I just think that it will be a matter of time before the conferences say we can do a better job if we just you know com- formed our own committee or formed our own situation. College athletics is changing. And it's changing in a rapid and fast way. And I don't think that anybody
2: knows really how to get a hold of it right now. It's moving a lot faster than we thought it would. You know, by 2024, this thing is going to look completely different. Speaking of things that look completely different, your Baltimore Orioles had a winning month in June, 14 and 11, their first winning month since 2017. I don't know what they're um, ATS record is, but they've been crushing it for the gamblers. I know every time I bet on them, it seems like I win. I'm loving, I'm loving it. I think I've come around. I'm an Orioles guy. Now that hat that doesn't fit you. I'll take it. I'm sending it. It's in the mail. I'm firing
4: it out. It will be at your doorstep. I will see it on the, probably next
2: Saturday. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> Angela, are you muted? No. Okay, good. You moved your mouth. I didn't hear anything.
0: <laughs> Did you see change, that? The Orioles, my...
2: <laughs> the Orioles are good. A, have you been to any baseball games yet this year? I have not. I'd love to live vicariously through you. And B, have you seen that the Orioles are good now?
1: I, I'm i headed to a baseball game, not an Orioles game. And good for them that they're doing good now. That's so great. That's so cute. Aww. Right? Aww. Good Aww. for them.
4: We just got Way the pity. To go,
1: buddy. Way to go.
4: <laughs> oh, my.
1: Yay. You know what? But you Man. know how it is with baseball and any sport? Sometimes you get all up in your head for years. You get all up in your head. And uh five. Maybe this will turn it around. Wouldn't that be something? It
2: would.
3: It takes it stuff sure like
1: would that, like, celebrate that win and ride the wave. I don't know.
2: I mean they should it's disrespectful to Camden to play like shit. That ballpark is a work of art. You should it be five hundred in park. there.
4: They haven't been relevant since Eddie Murray was there. Eddie Murray, wow, he was great. You're welcome. You're welcome for those at home older than 25.
1: <laughs> he was great. <laughs> he had
2: that ice cream joke. That was awesome. Wow. <laughs> you know what's a joke? Juan Soto is probably going to get like a half a billion dollars. The Nationals originally offered him a one of those lifetime deals, 13 years, 350000000 million. I'm not good at math, but that's a lot per year. He said, no, nah, no thank you. And they came back with, well, how about 13 years, $425 And he said, I'll think about it.
1: What? Actually, the best part about it is that he was saying, "Um, yeah, you can talk to my guy. I'm not, uh, you can deal with him. I'm not interested. Like from what I heard, he was like, I have baseball to do. I'm going to go over here and baseball and and you can work it out with my guy. Like, I can't be bothered by that. If I'm going to give
2: somebody 425, I want to give it to a guy like that. Yeah, that's boss shit, for sure. <laughs> it says here in Sports naught, he has two more years of arbitration remaining until he hits free agency in 2025. There have been rumors that Washington simply might look to trade Juan Soto for what would be a record bounty, but if you're rebuilding, Juan Soto is exactly the kind of guy you want to get. Is it not, John?
3: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they're last in the NL East right now, which is a far drop from when they won the World Series. So, I mean, yeah, sure, lock him up. I, everybody's getting crazy money. I, I guess if he's if that's the market price, that's who you rebuild with.
2: Yeah, I mean, it would, it, it would just be a grass is greener situation if you traded him for somebody. You know, it's going to be like Durant. You trade Durant for Devin Booker, you know, congratulations. You just made a horizontal move. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a different guy. Uh, I found some stuff on Mub Prep Standardization. You know, we're talking about the baseballs all year, the humidors, the not humidors, the mud, no home runs. Now there's home runs. This week, new protocol with the baseballs. I can't keep up with all the humidors and mud rituals, but it looks like they're trying to standardize baseballs as much as possible. I think they should look at how to make the ball go over the fence a little more often, but that's just me. What do I know? Listen to this, some of this stuff. I mean, I know people who take a simple task and complicate the fuck out of it, but this is next level stuff from the MLB. (laughs) They've been working on standards over the course of the season in response to feedback from players. I assume players who are saying, hey you know, we can't hit the ball over the fence. They're mandating that the ball be stored in a humidor for at least 14 days before game use, and ball storage must be recorded by the home team's game day compliance monitor and then certified in a signed form by the clubhouse manager. All baseballs projected to be used in a specific game must be mudded within three hours of all other baseballs used in that game and must be mudded on the same day, but they are not going to be used, the memo state, if they're not going to be used. They should not be out of the humidor for more than two hours at any point to first pitch, and it will take club staff longer than two hours. The baseball should be pulled out of the humidors in smaller batches. That should solve it.
3: Just play, man. Uh, they, they kind of move the needle or they put the thumb on the scale. What was that two years ago with the stitching and stuff? It's just like, just let it play. Uh, the players will figure it out. They'll figure out the launch angles. The pitchers will figure out all their stuff now that they can't use any tack or anything like that. Just let the players figure it out.
1: Yeah, figure isn't that what out. batting practice is for? What the hell, <laughs> professional yeah. get a hold of it. it.
3: wouldn't it be easier just to let people use corked bats? <laughs> yeah, Sammy Sosa.
2: Yeah, give me home runs. Albert Bell had a had a corked bat too. Let's not avoid giving him his credit. But Albert Bell, the the most badass thing I've ever seen in a baseball game. He took a pitch right to the arm and he just stood there as if trying to convince the umpire. He didn't get hit because he wanted to stand there and bat. Love that guy. Oh, I should pull up my word doc. should pull up my word doc. Uh, Wrigley got a sports book. Did you see that? Did you hear about this? That'll help with the biblical losses. (laughs) <laughs>
3: yeah. Said the guy who was bidding for Arsenal.
2: We're 40 minutes in. I just want to quick give uh, some credit to our Plus Money Golf guys. We had a great episode on Tuesday. That's going well so far. I had a first-round leader, so no matter what, we're in the black. But I don't want to get too far into the episode and not run, not have time for the you-had-to-be-there players. I saw something about Michael Vick this week. And it got me thinking about players who were a sensation for a little bit. But if you weren't a sports fan, right in that window, you have no idea. Like trying to explain Michael Vick to a 25-year-old is impossible unless you're going to have them sit down and watch an hour of highlights. So I asked the class to bring you had-to-be-there players for uh, discussion today. I have a few. I have Dante Hall, Kansas City Chiefs. 12 kick return touchdowns. The original X factor before Des Bryant adopted it. Dante Hall was running kicks back. I mean, 106 yards completely engulfed by guys like Barry Sanders and then runs across the field. It was so fun to watch. One of the first things I did when I buy Madden is trade for Dante Hall. (laughs) Big fan, John, you're younger. So you probably don't remember Dante Hall.
3: Who do you have? I do. No, mine is uh, from the 2015 NL playoffs. Daniel Murphy. You had to be there just to in, just to fully embrace the angst. This guy, seemingly out of nowhere, just started hammering the ball. He had seven home runs in the playoffs. He had four against the Cubs in a sweep of the Cubs, and I remember it vividly because I was ignoring my date at a wedding in Lake Geneva, tied to the small TV that was available. Uh, off the shoot of the of the reception hall, and he he would just get up to bed, and you just knew something bad was going to happen. Um, just home run, home run, home run, and you're just like, who is this guy? It was it was just incredibly difficult to watch as a Cub fan. And then uh, I think they made the World Series that year, but they lost. And then and then we actually picked up Daniel Murphy in won in 2016. But yeah, it was one of those things that you had to sit down and watch. And every time he came up to the plate, you were just just waiting for him to, to hit some, look like a, a loop fly ball. And somehow it went out in an opposite field home run. It was just very frustrating. And so he had a flash in the pan moment at the perfectly wrong time for Cub fans.
2: Yeah, you definitely, one. you had to be a Cubs fan. You had to be there in that moment to really appreciate what he was for home <laughs> runs ouch and that's a double loss too because now the date is pissed and you're not even happy about the victory
3: yeah that was um yeah that was an interesting evening
2: <laughs> yeah sort of like where are
3: you like, that's the text i kept getting where are you oh, and no. i'm just like shut up
4: <laughs> more and more I'll question be right marks
3: there. <laughs> yes
4: I'm getting you some punch.
3: <laughs> no, I don't want to do the electric slide. <laughs> Get out of here.
1: You didn't pull the diarrhea card. That's-
3: <laughs> the <laughs> no, I mean, she could see me. I was just in the next room over. <laughs> just yep. pissed off looking at the TV. I don't want to cha-cha right now. No cha-cha slide for you. <laughs> Remember
2: Jeremy Lin? Remember Lin Sanity from 2011 to 2012? And then I don't know where he is now. I haven't heard of. That was huge and got him paid.
3: Didn't he get a shoe deal out of that?
4: Maybe, Absolutely. maybe not. Absolutely yeah. he did. Yeah. Wow. And the Rockets paid him a ton of money. I think he's playing overseas now. Good for him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hey, speaking of, what's going on with Lou Dort down in OKC, Coach? Well, you just you just passed me up
4: here, man. I was You teed it up and then you just yeah, went on and did a drive-by. <laughs> well, oh, I was I, coming to you next anyway. Was that your guy? No, no, no. I wasn't going with Dort. Dort although I love Dort, he, he's not really in the wheelhouse of what you were talking about. I, t- I took that assignment a little different. Um, Me too. I, th- I thought that you literally were talking about people who would change the game on a single play. Uh, people that that you were polarizing enough that that just any time that they had the ball in their hands, the game would just change and and, and they could affect the outcome Anytime they were on the field and, and I picked Devin Hester, uh, the same reason that you went with Dante Hall, Devin Hester was that guy for me because he, he returned kicks and was amazing at it. And anytime that he was on the field, he would, he, he could take it to the house and, and did quite regularly. I think he actually broke Deion Sanders record. Yeah. Um,
3: mm-hmm. had stones for hands, but he could return a kick.
4: He did, but he somehow, as a special teams weapon, he was he was really impressive, and he became uh, he became a actual uh, you know weapon and, and an offense, a, a game plan and an offense for for an anemic offense at the time. Uh, but he was really good. Uh, and another one I, I couldn't. I know that we're we're talking about people that were insignificant, and and this guy wasn't, but. You know, Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders yeah. may be the greatest running back of all time. He did the most with with the least. Um, anytime from from Oklahoma State to Detroit, anytime that he touched the ball on, on a busted play, he could he could take it to the house. You know, some honorable mentions obviously would would be like Randy Moss and some of those, but but those two are the ones that stick out in my mind where I was watching a game, and any time that they touched the ball, it could change at any moment.
2: Different interpretations. I love it. I heard Chuck Pagano talk about Devin Hester on Pat McAfee's show once. He said go, leading up to the Super Bowl, he was preaching to the team, you know, we're not going to kick him the ball. Just kick it to the complete opposite side, whatever you got to do. And then he went to church, and the sermon was about, you know, not not hiding from your fears and, you know, confronting uh, adversity, et cetera. So he decided we're going to kick him the ball. And he ran that thing all the way back. Didn't he?
3: That was one of the best plays I've ever seen in sports. <laughs>
2: yep. That was awesome. Even as a Packers fan, I could appreciate the hell out of that. Bob
4: Stoops had a moment like that with Tyreek Hill. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wasn't that the, one of the first times he ever touched the ball down there?
4: Oh, he, they, they punted him the ball. I mean, really all they had to do, the game was over. And they they punted him the ball, and he took it to the house on him, and 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 I I have no reason. There's no rhyme or reason why they even kicked it to him. In, in fact, in going back, he, Bob Stoops has even said in that game he instructed them not to kick it to him, and they intentionally kicked it to him. I I
3: don't anyhow. Our next question needs to be: At what point in watching all your sports have you just asked, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. those two I- are are leading candidates.
4: Absolutely. I love that. What
1: do you got, Angela? Yeah. um, So this is where men and women think a little bit different. So when the assignment was handed down, um, so super memorable sports moment of like a total nobody who like saved the day. Um, So not somebody who was constantly there, but who was there when they were needed most was Scott Foster in 2018. John, you know this, right? Backup, backup, backup goalie to the Chicago Blackhawks. Like um, Crawford got hurt. The backup was hurt. Then they had their um, backup, backup who went in, who got a leg cramp, right? So then they called this guy who was up in the box, which, you know, they have emergency goalies on hand all the time. But like he got called down. Designated
3: goalie.
4: I saw this on an episode of Cheers once. It was Carla's husband.
1: (laughs) What was his name? I forget. I forget that's so tortelli
4: funny. no no tortelli was the danny perfect. devito no it was it <laughs> was funny. i'm trying to think of what his name was nick something
1: yeah I, I, there's something like that you're close um so anyways yeah they threw him in and he's he stopped like i don't know seven or ten you know shots and preserved the win and it was a really good feel good awesome awesome story like a just you know a, a nobody. Well, I mean, not a nobody. He was somebody, but you know, it was fabulous. So that was a great moment in sports. And I, that's how I interpreted the assignment, but that was just amazing.
4: Eddie LeBec.
1: Eddie LeBec. That's it.
3: He was a goalie. That's right. He sounds like a Boston deadbeat. Right.
2: <laughs> that was yeah. him. Let me silver up first. <laughs>
1: yeah. He moves jeweler Eddie
2: LeBec. He sounds like, yeah, he sounds like a person of interest. <laughs> We're looking for Eddie LeBeck. Have you seen him? <laughs> oh, did you? Uh, did you see this? Did you hear about this idiot reporter hoist the Stanley Cup? This fucking guy. His name is Mike something. Mike Chambers. He's been covering the Avalanche for a while. It looks like, but he's taking pictures. He's got one picture with him, you know, holding the cup with team captain. And he's got one picture of him holding the cup above his head, cigar in his mouth. Like he just scored a power play goal in game six or something. I don't, I don't like it. People are coming at him because he's not obviously not objective. I say he's a nerd who doesn't belong. What B reporter is objective. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
3: I mean, you're hanging out with these guys. You don't like you be as objective as possible, but it's not like you're, you're not going to do that. I, I, there's so many stupid rules around hockey and I love hockey, but it, there's so many rules about the cup and things like that. You know, you can't hoist the cup, but I've heard of people pissing in the cup. Like wh- where's the line? You know, there's a famous Chicago, uh, radio guy who drank out of the cup and claims he's had a stomach bug for the last six years because of it, because so many disgusting things happen with the cup, people drinking beer out of it, but this guy hoists it whatever let the guy enjoy his moment
1: they put the cup like they put the cup on tour like they haul it around the city and they let people touch it and do stuff with it and if i'm the tampa bay lightning i'd be like get those janitors in here lift that thing up let's go let's celebrate let's take some pictures who cares (laughs) it has a curfew
2: did you know that the the cup has to go to bed at like 11 p.m which is an excellent idea because by 11 p.m hockey players are insanely rowdy you know, you don't want the cup out there at 1am getting dinged up, dragged behind a Ford truck. Isn't
4: there a book about the stories of the cup or things that have happened with the cup? I, somebody wrote a book the last couple of years about winning the cup and the things that they've done with the cup. And it's, it's
3: I'm sure it's impressive, but. It's just getting weird. <laughs> I'll be honest. It's, it's taken on a life of its own. It's just getting weird.
4: Speaking of weird, Eddie LeBette got hit by a
3: Zamboni. (laughs) You're going to see some guy dragging it behind a Zamboni and be like, it's good luck. Uh, Okay. If you say so, we've got a new
2: rule. Oh my goodness. 52 minutes. Holy shit. All right. Last thing. We'll end on a high note. Max Scherzer is awesome. I love this guy. He's on a rehab stint in the minors. What is that team? That he's playing for in the minors. I can't read the jersey. The standard is when a when a big league guy is down there for a rehab assignment, he buys the spread. You know, he buys the lunch for everybody. And Wednesday night, Max Scherzer decided to buy the boys uh, a feast that included bone-in ribeye, no big deal, filet mignon, and lobster. The approximate dollar figure was, Upwards of $7,000, which to Max Scherzer is nothing, but to these minor league guys who you've seen the pictures of the sandwiches they give these guys. It's, I mean, that's life-changing. Not, you know, it'll, it'll pick your whole month up. He also bought everybody AirPods. One of the guys said, we walk in and there's a club. He just handing out AirPods saying they're from Max, you know, through ruthless and intense, though ruthless and intense on the mound. Scherzer has a reputation as a phenomenal teammate and an outstanding clubhouse guy. He's been going to bat for these guys the whole time during the strike or the work stoppage, whatever you want to call it, saying that these minor league guys need to be treated better. I'm glad to see him putting his $7,000 where his mouth is. Yeah,
3: I think this has been going on and has been a good tradition for a long time. First I heard about it was with Pujols after he cashed in $252 million or whatever that was. Uh, it makes sense. I mean, these guys are slugging it out. Pujols had been there. I mean, he played for the Peoria Chiefs and was a waiter at knockins back in '99. So I think baseball players, uh, better than NBA and NFL, uh, know what it's like to just be stuck down in the minors and eating a firefest sandwich out of a styrofoam box. You know, they, it's it's pretty insane what they have to go through. And when you're one of the top heavy earners in the MLB, it's nothing to to go down and say, you know, you can set down your lunchable, well, I'm gonna buy some real moot food today.
2: There's an idiot born every minute. Do you think if you opened a restaurant called Firefest and just served shit food like that in styrofoam containers, you would make money? <laughs> I think in the right location yes. you would.
4: <laughs> Absolutely.
2: <laughs> I think in the right location you would be you'd be hot enough for a couple years to turn a profit. Absolutely. All right. I'm not going to keep you guys inside any longer. It's a beautiful day. We should go out and enjoy it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Our audience is growing rapidly, and we're very grateful for that. As a result, we're putting in even more time and effort to make these podcasts the best they can possibly be. We even brought in a girl. I mean... We're going all out. If you haven't already, please consider giving us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, whatever platform you're getting us on. I use Podcast Addict. I'm an independent kind of thinker. Everything is interaction-based. That's how you climb these charts and get noticed. I won't bore you with the details, but your reviews are what keep us high on the list. When people search sports podcasts, believe it or not, there are a lot of them, so thank you for helping us to stand out. It helps a ton if you write some words in there. We're like kids. Any attention is good attention. You can say whatever you want. Hey, that host guy is the best. You guys should probably consider giving him a super max deal as well, maybe two fifty over five, something like that. Or tell us how you prep your baseballs for game time. It doesn't matter what you type, as long as the little algorithm bots come by. To see some text in there tonight it's all positive for us you can follow us at patriots pod on twitter patriot sports now on the instagram and patriot sports on facebook you can check out our golf podcast plus money golf and follow those guys over at plus money golf all one word on twitter and instagram chris is on twitter and instagram at psr producer i'm on both those things at psr host guy angela's on twitter at angela da with two h's John is too cool for social media. Coach is too set in his ways to learn a platform other than Facebook, so that just is what it is. Chris, outro music.